Hello everyone, Dr. Casey Grover here. You're back for another episode of Addiction in Emergency Medicine and Acute Care. And you can probably already tell this episode's a little bit different. Uh, there's no intro, it doesn't have a number, it's a bonus episode. I recently gave a lecture to my group where I practice in California on the topic of non-opioid management of renal colic. And it's not specifically an addiction topic, but it does talk about how to use an opioid sparing or even alternative to opioid approach to renal colic. So I hope you like it. I apologize. The audio quality isn't great. I used my iPad to record it while I was giving a lecture to my group. I hope you find it to be a useful topic. And if you'd like a copy of my slides, which include the references and the papers that I reference, please drop me an email at addictionemac at fastmail.com. Enjoy. All right, uh, so I just wanted to uh, recycle this lecture uh, just because I thought it was really interesting and very useful. So I got asked by Kentucky ASEP uh, to prepare something on non-opioid analgesia for renal colic, and it was actually very interesting, so I wanted to share it with the group. It's about 20 minutes. I'll, I'll do it pretty quickly, and then now we'll move on to the next portion of the meeting. So just as a background, particularly for our newer docs, we've been working on uh, opiate stewardship at our hospital and our emergency department for quite a while. Um, our hospital uh, got high honors in the California Opioid Care Honor Roll Program. We are also one of only seven hospitals in the country with an ASAP pain and addiction care in the emergency department certification. And we are one of only three emergency departments in the country with that ASAP designation at the gold level. Uh, the first hospital, St. Joe's, that founded it, Harvard, and Community Hospital. So we have about 10 years now with our Community Opioid Coalition, Prescribed Safe, working on opiate stewardship. So um, just kind of at a high level, how do we want to think about pain? Um, we want to treat pain appropriately. And when I say appropriately, I don't mean looking at a number. We're not going to try to get everybody to zero, but be aggressive, use multimodal, um, and then focus on function. If someone says their patient's tolerable, that's usually what I aim for. Um, number two, there's definitely lots of data um, that a new start of an opiate is not a benign event, and there's a certain percentage of people that will remain on those opioids uh, long term. When you do need to use an opioid, we obviously want to use the lowest possible dose for the shortest period of time. Uh, and then, as I mentioned, we want to use a multimodal approach. So rather than just monotherapy, you know, combine, NSAID, gabapentinoid, acetaminophen, if needed, an opioid, use all those different modalities together. So um, if you didn't know, we do have some guidelines for renal colic. Um, and this is one of the documents that I had to submit uh, to ASAP in order to get our designation. Um, Kavitha, you and I can send this out in the meeting minutes. But uh, basically, it's it's uh, focus on non-opioid agents as first line. And I will hopefully do a, a good job of convincing you as to why this works. First line, I think we all know Catorolac works incredibly well for renal colic. Um, some adjuncts to cyclamine, tamsulosin. Um, also IV lidocaine. And obviously, if people are still in pain, we do have opioids if needed. For discharge, very similar. Um, I'm able to manage the majority of my patients without opioids at discharge. Usually, I recommend standing acetaminophen along with an NSAID. And then again, those adjuncts to cyclamine and tamsulosin, which I'll talk about in, in, in detail. Um, for opiate therapy, you know, if somebody needs an opiate, we want to obviously um, do the lowest dose possible for the shortest duration. 
And then if somebody does need an opioid, there are four major risk factors for them developing an opioid use disorder. If they've got a history of addiction, they've got an active addiction to another substance, severe mental illness, or a family history of addiction. So usually if I do give someone an opioid, I'll ask if they've ever taken it before, and then I'll usually ask these four screening questions. And in some cases, we have to have a discussion that opioids are, are not a good option. Um, if anyone doesn't know, in our uh, pain uh, quick list, we do have a lidocaine infusion. Um, it actually works very well for renal colic, which I will show you the data behind in just a second. Um, but this is what it looks like in Epic. You're gonna pre-check all those boxes, um, and then it, uh, it goes ahead and calculates the dose for you. Uh, it's actually very easy to do. I personally have put together a couple of discharge order panels for uh, non-opioid management of renal colic, uh, ibuprofen on dancitron, dicyclamine, and tamsulosin. Some people like Ketorolac so much that they insist upon it for discharge, so I do have that one as well. Um, and then I don't know if I can share these with other members of the group, but they're relatively easy to make. You know, I, I certainly uh, appreciate, you know, we all like evidence-based medicine, but I do often like anecdotes to be able to kind of paint a picture of kind of why we're talking about something. And uh, I had to took care of a guy, uh, and I don't know if you all do this, but I always remember what room patients were in. I was uh, about like a mid-50s uh, gentleman presented uh, with flank pain in room eight and uh, no history of renal colic. Um, I, my suspicion was pretty high, so I gave him a dose of uh, IV Ketorolac. I ordered an ultrasound, a urine, and some labs, and uh, I came back to reassess him. And he goes, doctor, what did you give me? That was magic. My pain is gone. And I just given him a single dose of Ketorolac. And uh, so anyways, I explained what it was. And amazingly, about six months later, also again in room 38, the patient, same patient comes in with, with uh, flank pain. He says, doctor, it's a kidney stone. Again, I'd like the magic shot. So obviously the plural of anecdote is not data, but just one story of just how well Ketorolac can work. So as we go into some of the evidence behind therapies for renal colic, I think it's important to ask, why do kidney stones hurt? And there's actually three specific pathways. The first is, is that the stone causes local inflammation and irritation when it gets stuck. The second is there's an obstruction in urinary flow, which leads to an increase in the pressure within the ureter, and that causes pain from distension. And then the third is that there's spasm of the ureter, and that's actually prostaglandin mediated. So we're going to go through each of the drug classes I, I talked about, and I'll reference these particular mechanisms as to how pain happens and then how medications can relieve that. So let's start with NSAIDs, and I'll, I'll focus a lot on Ketorolac. So NSAIDs actually reduce pain that happens from renal colic by addressing all three of those mechanisms. They reduce local inflammation where the stone is stuck. They suppress the, the prostaglandins and therefore that spasm of renal colic. And they also reduce renal blood flow and therefore reduce the pressure within the ureter. So we're going to look at some studies here. This was from Academic Emergency Medicine in uh, 2021. This was a comparison of IV Ketorolac at three doses. And they were really just trying to find what's an effective dose of Ketorolac for renal colic. And what they found is they used a 0 to 100 kind of um, ranking for pain, 100 being the most severe pain and 0 being no pain. And they had everybody started around 90 out of 100. And they tried three dosages, 30 milligrams of Ketorolac, 20, and 10. And what they found is that all three doses worked. And all of them reduced the pain by close to 50%. 
So the good news is, is if you're worried about somebody who's a little older, 10 milligrams of Ketorolac was able to drop the pain from a 90 down to about a 40. So pretty significant, greater than 50% reduction in pain. Now you might be asking, well, how do uh, how does Ketorolac compare against opioids? This was a little bit of an older study. This is from Annals of Emergency Medicine in 1996. And this was a comparison of Ketorolac Demerol, which obviously we don't use much of anymore, and then Ketorolac plus Demerol. And in this study, they basically defined that a 50% reduction in pain was what they considered successful pain management. 75% of the Ketorolac group alone was able to achieve that reduction. 74% of the Ketorolac plus meperidine was able to achieve that, but only 23% of the meperidine group alone was able to achieve that. So really kind of when I look at this, if you got Ketorolac in 75% of the cases, your pain dropped by 50% or more as compared to opioids alone, only 23%. So head to head, uh, NSAIDs are actually outperforming uh, opioids uh, for renal colic analgesic management. This was a study, uh, I don't personally read the Turkish Journal of Emergency Medicine very often, but I did find this study from 2022 in the Turkish Journal of Emergency Medicine. And this was a study looking at IV morphine with ibuprofen, IV morphine with ketorolac, or IV morphine alone uh, for renal colic. And this was a randomized double-blind clinical trial. And basically what they started with is all patients had about an 8.4 out of 10 severity of pain. And the morphine plus ibuprofen group dropped to about a 3 from that 8.4. The morphine plus ketorolac dropped down to a 3 from that 8.4, whereas the morphine alone only dropped from an 8.4 down to a 7. So again, NSAIDs are able to, in multiple studies, both outperform opioids and reliably drop pain by greater than 50% with renal colic. So with this in mind, there's really good data that NSAIDs should be our first line for, uh, for, for pain from renal colic. So let's move on to lidocaine. So lidocaine uh, reduces the pain from renal colic by decreasing spasm of the ureter by reducing smooth muscle tone. It also actually has a fourth way that it reduces pain and that's by reducing the transmission of pain back to the central nervous system by reducing the transmission of pain through afferent sensory pathways. And let's look at some data here. So this was a trial from BMC Urology in 2012. Um, and in, in this uh, study, they basically wanted to compare IV lidocaine versus IV morphine. And they defined success as getting a pain score down to less than a 3 out of 10. In both groups, pain started as a 9.7. And what you can see here is 90% of the lidocaine group was able to get that pain score down from a 9.7 to under 3, whereas only 70% of the morphine group was able to do that. Interestingly, in this study, morphine is actually a little bit more effective than in the previous studies, but still less effective than lidocaine. So lidocaine monotherapy was, again, able to take pain down from a 9.7 to less than three in 90% of cases. Here's another one. This was from the American Journal of Emergency Medicine in 2018. This was just looking at uh, IV lidocaine as monotherapy for renal colic. And if anyone knows Sergei Motov, he does a lot of research on pain in the ED and he was the lead author here. And what they found is that when they used IV lidocaine as monotherapy as 
a primary analgesic, they were able to drop the pain by an average of 7.4 on that zero to 10 scale. So that's a 70% pain reduction if folks are starting up at a 10. And then if they used lidocaine as a rescue analgesic, like somebody got, say, catorolac or morphine, primarily lidocaine as a rescue therapy was able to drop patient's pain by 5.2 on that 10-point scale for pain relief. So again, pretty good data that IV lidocaine uh, can be helpful either as a primary analgesic or a rescue analgesic uh, for, for pain from renal colic. Now, this was something I didn't know that much about, the antispasmodics di like dicyclamine. So these antispasmodics are also, sometimes they're called spasmolytics. They can reduce pain from renal colic by reducing smooth muscle spasm. And there's not a lot of data on this, but I did find this one paper from Pain Research and Treatment in 2012. This was looking at a combination of dexketoprofen, which is an NSAID, and dicyclamine in acute renal colic. And basically what they found is when they combined NSAIDs and antispasmodics with acute renal colic, it can reduce pain, inflammation, edema, and the spasm of the ureter. And you can see here on the screen, I took a screenshot from the paper that they used the zero to 100 kind of pain score, the visual analog scale. Their patients were starting at over an 80 out of 100 and were ending at 20 or even 10 out of 100. So that's, that's a pretty significant drop. That's like a, you know, 60 or 70 point drop uh, on the pain scale when they combined NSAIDs and dicyclamine. So I've started to add that into my practice. If you don't know, uh, dicyclamine can be given as 20 milligrams intramuscular in our ED. And then obviously for discharge, I usually use 20 milligrams PL. And the last agent we're going to talk about was another one that I didn't know was helpful for pain, and that's tamsulosin. So we tend to think of tamsulosin as for medical expulsive therapy, but tamsulosin as being an alpha blocker can actually reduce the pain from renal colic by both reducing the pressure in the ureter and also by reducing the spasm in the ureter. And there's been one study on this. This was from BJU International in 2011. And this was a study looking at tamsulosin versus nifedipine for medical expulsive therapy for distal ureteric stones with renal colic. And what they found in this group is basically they measured how often people had to take diclofenac, which is an NSAID, to manage their pain. And in the tamsulosin group, there was a 70% decrease in the frequency with which patients had to take analgesia as compared to nifedipine. Now, granted, nifedipine isn't that effective, but this study would suggest that tamsulosin does reduce the need for analgesia in patients who are passing a kidney stone. So sometimes when patients have refractory pain in the ED, I will add in a dose of tamsulosin actually in the ED as well. So what do I do? I usually give IV Ketorolac as my first line. Obviously we know some people have contraindications, whether it's allergy, chronic kidney disease, or they're on a blood thinner. <laughs> I will add in dicyclamine, tamsulosin, and IV lidocaine as my second line particularly uh, if somebody has um, a contraindication to Ketorolac, I might just use that as my first line. And then obviously if people are in severe pain and I can't get them comfortable otherwise, then I will absolutely add in an opioid. Um, as far as discharge, you saw my, uh, my discharge panels of medications. If somebody can tolerate an NSAID, I will send them home on NSAIDs, dicyclamine, and tamsulosin. And I also recommend around-the-clock acetaminophen. 
If somebody in the emergency department doesn't need opioids to manage their renal colic, then they probably don't need a discharge prescription uh, for, for an opioid for discharge. So if I can manage somebody with my non-opioid regimen, I definitely do that for discharge. And then I also, I want to set up my patients to have positive expectations. I want to let them know that I'm giving them all these medications that all work together and there's all good evidence that they work to relieve their pain from their renal colic. Now, you might be wondering, well, you know, I'm worried. Um, I think I might be shortchanging my patients if I don't send them home with opioids after discharge or if I'm going to send them home with opioids, I want to give them a good number so they're not uncomfortable. This was an interesting study from pain medicine in 2021 that actually asked the question, how many opioid tablets are people taking after an emergency department visit? And you can see I highlighted it on the screen here in red. And I'm going to quote, patients with renal colic used the least opioids. The median number of opioid tablets after an ED visit for renal colic was three, with the range of one tablet to seven tablets. So really, you can, I think, hopefully have some peace of mind knowing that the majority of patients with renal colic do not have high opioid needs after discharge. And I'm going to finish up here with a second uh, patient story which is, um, if any of you don't know, I now work at our local syringe exchange uh, in a Suboxone clinic. And one of the people that I work with is in recovery uh, from opiate and ultimately other substance addiction. And we actually got her started on opioids in our emergency department. And I asked her one time, how did you get started with your addiction? And she said, I went to the CHOMP emergency department and I had a kidney stone. The doctor treated me with morphine. The doctor sent me home with 30 Norco with two refills and I loved it. And we, I'm so grateful that this person is now in recovery, but hopefully we now have tools to be able to treat pain effectively without needing opioids. And then in the case of this person, we can avoid starting someone on opioids who is at risk for addiction. And this poor woman lost about 10 years of her life to addiction and she's actually doing great now in recovery, but in retrospect, I wish we could have done it better the first time.